0: Thank you, Lawrence. Good morning, everyone. So the story that Lawrence has read this morning is not just any old story. If if you grew up Jewish, literally any time in the last 3,500 years, this is the story. This is the story you would have heard a thousand times, Uh, the the one that your parents and grandparents would have whispered in your ear before you could talk. Uh, You would have rehearsed it every year at holiday dinners with your aunts and uncles and cousins. And as you got older, you would have begun to be not just a hearer of the story, but a teller of it to the next generation. Everyone is involved in the hearing and telling of this story. And uh, maybe if you were a fun aunt or a fun uncle, uh, you would have done it with voices and sound effects and you know the powerful east wind. And, and uh, you could have gotten into it. This story about the parting of the sea Is really the original Old Testament salvation story. Uh, We were in deep trouble, all hope was lost, and this is what God did He rescued us. And the telling of this story is about the importance of memory, as if to say to the whole community, Don't forget this. Remember to pass it on to your children and grandchildren. The Lord delivered us. And it's past tense, of course, right? It's this is what happened. It's a story that is understood to be historical, actually, and not just literary. Um, But it's more than what happened. It's also... This is who we are. Uh, So for Israel, this Exodus story, which has its climax in the Red Sea story, this story changes everything. It gives us an identity. Uh, it, It tells us what we need to know about ourselves. Our God brought us out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. He rescued us. Believers in Jesus also have a salvation story. We also have a story that tells this is what God did when we were in trouble. It's the Jesus story, of course, the the Christ event. And it includes Christmas, but especially Good Friday and even more so Easter, the story of an empty tomb. And uh, like the Red Sea story, the Jesus story is also a real events in space and time story. Not just make-believe, but an incredible, it really happened this way kind of story. And uh, that, by the way, is something for us to be self-conscious about, actually, to admit freely. The the whole thing, right, our whole identity, our whole hope is based on stories that sound far-fetched. And uh, yet Paul says, if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. Uh, If it's a house of cards, so be it. But if these things really happened, it changes everything forever. We are a community that tells a story about how God saved us. Here's a question. As we tell that story, do we understand the rescue to be completely past tense, over and done with? Or are we still, in some way, still in the middle of it? How we answer that will have something to do with how we read this story in Exodus, also. Um, It's a trick question, actually. The New Testament absolutely does, in some places, talk about God's rescue, our salvation, as a done deal, right? So think of Jesus' last words on the cross it is finished. And, and we sang it this morning in one of the songs, you have saved us, right? Period, past tense, full stop. Um, but the scriptures also talk about salvation in the present tense. Salvation is happening now. It's a work in progress. So uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1 says, we are being saved right now. A work in progress day by day. Jesus is saving me today. I am being rescued. That's also a biblical way of talking. And uh, while we're at it, uh, let's remember that the Bible also talks about salvation in the future tense. Like in uh, Philippians one twenty-eight, Paul says, You will be saved, and that by God. Okay, so he saved us, we are being saved, you will be saved, all of the above, right? It's already happened, it's happening now, it will happen in the future. So this morning, as we in this community read the story of the parting of the sea, we read it as people who, uh, if you're a Jesus follower, have been saved, who have been delivered, but we are also reading it as people who are very much in the middle of it. The the salvation that Jesus brought has to be worked out in our lives every day until the end. Um, There is still some unresolved drama. There are things unfinished. Uh, We are out of Egypt, uh, but... Nowhere near the promised land, and in some ways still in danger. Uh, We're doing present tense salvation. We are being saved, even as we read the story together today. Uh, So now, for the rest of our time, this is the roadmap, we're going to talk about two obstacles to the ongoing present tense working out of our salvation. And then after that, we're going to see what counsel God gives to his people in the midst of this kind of danger. There are going to be two words of counsel for you from Exodus 14 that hopefully you can take home and apply to life uh, throughout the week. All right? Okay, now, two obstacles to our salvation. And Remember that in this story, uh, specifically, what the people need to be saved from is literal, physical, grinding slavery. It's oppression. A dehumanizing labor, a life on the margins of society as outsiders, part of a low caste without opportunity or hope for meaningful change. It's been a long-term state of affairs, generations long, a whole way of life that needs very much to be left behind and unlearned. Uh, The people need to be released from their slavery, and then they need to learn to live as free men and women. Uh, It's maybe also worth noticing that uh, the, the Israelites have been kept in slavery, not just because they're, they're stuck in in a systemic kind of anonymous injustice, or because they're held in it by a nation that is stronger than they are, but actually, in this narrative, specifically, particularly, they are enslaved and kept in slavery by whom by a ruthless king, right? The pharaoh of Egypt personally has them under his thumb. File that away. Uh, Two obstacles I said I promised. Here we go. Here's the first. Uh, It's a hesitation, a deep fearfulness, that is characteristic, actually, of the Israelites themselves. The problem is within. You could maybe imagine uh, one of these guys or a group of them coming to Moses and saying, hey, we're not sure we really want to be saved. This is a problem. They have an amazing opportunity to move out of slavery into freedom. They are actually on their way, but they as a people are still deeply unsure about it. Uh, Though they are being delivered from the external condition of slavery, they are still characterized internally by a deep attitude of slavishness of mind and heart. They do not act with the confidence of free people. So you see this at the end of chapter 13, the the first verses that Lawrence read for us. It says, when Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter. For God said, if they face war... They might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by the desert road toward the Red Sea. What is going on? Um, How do I put this? Slavery has its advantages. Freedom presents you with challenges that you have never experienced before. It involves you in difficulties that you have never needed to deal with before. It requires you to grow up a little bit. Freedom is not a cakewalk. And the first way that that presents itself for the Israelites is this, that the quickest, most direct route out of Egypt involves passing through hostile territory, right the Philistine country, And the Philistines are people who may be agitated by the sudden appearance on their borders of a million refugees. Maybe. They may not be welcoming. They may respond with fear and self-protection in the way that human beings do. Uh, They may perceive the Israelites as a threat. Now, if the Israelites were to encounter trouble in this way, would God be able to help them? He would, right? Of course he would. But that would involve approaching the problem with a posture of trust and dependence, right? It would involve looking to God for guidance and being willing to engage with courage and obedience as, as he directed. That is the posture of free people in relationship to God in the midst of difficulty. But that is a posture that needs to be learned, and they have not learned it yet. God knows that. He knows their frailty. He knows how new they are to the life of free people, and he knows that if they encounter trouble... If they encounter danger and difficulty, their first response will not be to cry out to the Lord for help. Their first response will be to turn tail and run. If we encounter trouble, that must mean we've made a terrible mistake. Uh, That must mean that this was a really bad idea. We'd better go back to Egypt. Because although slavery was utterly miserable, right, it really was, it's a misery they know and are familiar with. It's a misery that they have learned to cope with. Uh, it, It feels safer, actually, than moving forward into challenges they don't know how to handle. Um, So God spares them from something they're not ready for, and he takes them on the long road to the sea. But then we see this attitude again later in the story, right? When Pharaoh's army is in front of them and the sea is behind them, when they're hemmed in between two bad options, what is their response? Oh, this was a bad idea, right? I knew it was a bad idea. Moses, why did we let you talk us into this? This is your fault. This was your idea. We should have never tried to leave slavery. That's who we are. It's what we know. It's all we'll ever be. Uh, How do you hear that? Um, Are those words you've heard before are, are they words that have come out of your own mouth in, in some way, shape, or form? Um, if you've been around people coming out of addictions or trying to move forward out of an abusive relationship, right, you may have heard something like that. Right? There's so much fear. right? I'm not in a good situation, but the road out of it is unknown territory. The challenges down that road are more than I can get my head around. They are more than I feel up to. I think I'd better stay here and do life the way I know how to do it. Uh, I, I remember a young man whom I was working with who had been addicted to drugs in various ways for at least 10 years. He was in his mid-twenties, but he'd gotten on drugs when he was 14. And and after 10 years of this, he was beginning to emerge out of addictive patterns. And for the first time in 10 years, he was experiencing emotions. Uh, The drugs had kept him in in kind of a flat-line state of chill. Not too happy, not too sad. Um, And without the drugs, he was feeling sad and happy and sometimes kind of blah, but not that state of chill uh, that he had inhabited for so long and that felt right to him. And experiencing these emotions, it was new and it was scary, actually. He didn't know how to be happy. Whatever the Lord is in the process of delivering you from, whatever old patterns he is calling you out of, however miserable and dehumanizing and unhealthy all of that has been, the road ahead is unfamiliar. It takes courage to live as free people to take steps into new kinds of difficulty for the sake of something better. Uh, That is true of me and it's true of you too. Um, Where is the Lord calling you out of something that is maybe deeply entrenched um, but familiar that you know how to do? That's the first obstacle. What's the second? Well, when the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his officers changed their minds about them and said, what have we done? We have let the Israelites go and have lost their services. So he had his chariot made ready. The Egyptians pursued the Israelites and overtook them as they camped by the sea. Um, well, this is something to take seriously. It's something to say out loud. Slavery to sin, slavery to self, um, slavery to all the old destructive patterns of life, it's not just in my head. You and I have a powerful enemy who does not want us to live as free people. And this picture in Exodus 14 of a pharaoh who is angry and unhappy and trying to claw back what he is losing, that is a good picture of your enemy, the devil, who is also angry and unhappy that God is delivering you. Who is agitated, that you might learn to live as a free man, as a free woman, with your head up and uh, your heart full of faith and your mind beginning to concern itself with the freedom of other people. Uh, Listen, he does not want to let you go. The uh, counsel of the Apostle Peter in 1 Peter 5 is counsel for Christians, right? People who have been saved, but who are still in the process of being saved. And Peter says, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Uh, You and I, as we struggle in daily life to believe the gospel and live it out as free men and women... Uh, we are bombarded by lies and opposition, uh, both subtle and overt. He does not want to let us go. He does not want us to live as free people. Um, I, you know, as I was pondering this portion of the passage, uh, I, I began to think especially of, of you who are young people, right? Teenagers, young adults who may have trusted Christ, Uh, or or who may yet be figuring out whether you will follow him. And the vision that we want to set before you is is really a lovely one of a journey of life that that walks more and more day by day, year by year, into a life of freedom from destructive patterns, freedom from foolishness, and, and freedom to love. To to serve others in love and get in on the redemption of creation. Uh, You you have, if the Lord allows it, decades to serve Jesus and to experience more and more freedom in Him. Uh, You have longer than I do. But your enemy does not want to let you go, He wants to keep you in slavery. Uh, it, it's, it's not a bad thing to know that, to be aware of this, that he hates you and hates the light. Right, so, so two significant obstacles. What do we do? H- how do you continue to move ahead into freedom? Um, I, I think the story as it goes on gives us some counsel. There are the Israelites, their backs to the wall or to the sea, full of fear, And what does Moses say to the people? Verse 13, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Um, So first word of counsel in the face of adversity, be still. Uh, This is a hard one for the problem solvers among us. Right, we're in the midst of difficulty. There are significant challenges in front of us that need addressing. So what do we do? Let's marshal our resources. Let's do some internet research. Let's make a plan. Let me seize the steering wheel and hold it tight. I think I had better nag my spouse and children (laughs) to do what I believe they need to do, right? I had better manipulate and try to control people, right? Because I'm afraid. And I need to do something in order to, to make sure we work things out in a way that is healthy, that I hope... And, uh, and the Lord says, be still. The Lord says, there are some things that are too hard for you that are not yours to solve. Uh, you cannot control other people actually you cannot make things happen there are enemies that are stronger than you that you cannot defeat on your own right in fact sometimes i the lord will deliberately lead you into a situation that is too much for you that will compel you to depend on me to wait for me to look to me to be your help so do you know what be still Sometimes it's the hardest thing in the world, wait for the Lord, entrust to him the things that are too big for you. He is still the God who parted the sea. See what he will do. And then the other piece of counsel, exactly one verse, after Moses tells the people, be still, the Lord says, tell the Israelites to move on. Isn't that great? Uh, Be still until it's time to move on. And then move on. Do what you know to do. As God opens a door, walk through it. Um, And and when when you're not sure which one it's time for, be still or move on, you ask the Lord. But when it is time to move, it may be like this it may be like stepping into something new and different, new terrain, something that feels impossible. Like for instance, stepping out onto wet sand and putting one foot in front of another to walk for a few miles between walls of water, 20 feet high on both sides. Can you imagine How terrifying that was. What in the world are we doing? It was a huge challenge of faith, a call to the Israelites, to begin to put a little weight on their relationship with the God who was calling them into freedom. Uh, One foot in front of another, feeling our way, having conversations we haven't had before, uh, working out a way of life that is different than anything we've ever done before, working it out in daily faith and obedience. Uh, there, there really is no going backward. Slavery really was, really is, miserable. Uh, you do not want to be slaves. There, there's no romanticizing it but to recognize the forces that pull me backward, right? The the fearful inclinations of my own heart and, and also the hateful scheming of my enemy and living aware of these things and then instead to learn the deep pattern of a free person, to look toward my Savior in trust and hope, to wait for him when it's time to wait, to move forward when it's time to move forward, Believing the gospel, trusting that he is for you, that he will be with you, that he will show you where to put your feet. Let's, uh, let's, let's lean into that and let it frame the way that we understand the season of life that we are living today. Um, let, let's pray and the, the worship team can begin to come forward again. Father, we thank you uh, f- again for the, the thing that's recorded there at the, the beginning of the book of Exodus, that you, you looked with compassion on the, the suffering of your people, and you, you, you were moved, um, moved with compassion, moved to act, to deliver from, from oppression. Uh, so thank you for entering our world and uh, acting decisively to bring deliverance. And Lord, we just we confess to you that uh, the life of free people is one that we are still learning. And Lord, we are often afraid. And uh, we are drawn to things that are old and familiar, even though they are destructive and miserable. And so we pray, um, would you meet us, and would you teach us um, how to do life with you? Um, and Lord, even now, as we, as we uh, come to communion, we ask that you administer to us by your spirit for these things. In Jesus' name, amen.